FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 433 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked! I'm your host, Jason. I got your carnal serpent right here, Venable. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and it's a flashback episode. It's Killing Time, 1993. And of course, Wolverine, that's a double entendre wordplay. Um, one of the books we talk about will be a graphic novel called Wolverine Killing. But also, we are Killing Time. We're doing a whole lot of random... Maybe not so much random, but... You know, we're in the, we're in the heat of it, guys. 1993 um, is total Wolverine time. Maximum Wolverine. And so we're going to slice and dice our way through a lot of guest spots, Marvel Comics Presents, etc. Some, some maybe off-the-beaten-path graphic novels. Um, you know, just some, some stuff that doesn't really... Um, I don't have a whole, whole lot to say about all of it, but I have something to say about all of it. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, so I, you know, I haven't gone back to check, but this has got to be close to a Snick cast record. Um, we're going to slice and dice our way through 14 different comics, you know, some of which are oversized, like I said, graphic novels or, or you know, etc. But yeah. And, and we'll talk about them to various degrees, but 14 comics, that's a lot. And it probably won't be, probably will not be our longest episode. <laughs> that may be a little on the short side, because we are going to slice and dice with uh, our adamantium claws and, and cut, to the, cut to the adamantium bone of the matter, or adamantium-covered bone of the matter, and really get to, to how this impacts Wolverine, you know, if at all, and, and kind of the highlights of the stories um so yeah man that's what we're gonna do yeah uh here we go <laughs> first up is Excalibur number 64 so and this one is by it's Ascension Ascension by Alan Davis writer and penciler Mark Farmer on the inks Chris Eliopoulos on the letters Glennis Oliver on the colors and there you go um, on the cover by Davis and Mark Farmer we have an all black panel an all black cover except for the dressing and the logo and then we have the, you know, the Avengers 30th year uh, box where the barcode goes across the bottom it says Fatal Attraction and then front and center we have Captain Britain kneeling in anguish holding the limp body of Megan and it's a really nice cover it's a really powerful cover really emotional um, I mean you know it's not for keeps but still of that that exact moment it's a nice slice and it really uh, really conveys a lot of emotion so uh, a great cover alright so first of all where already Marvel is my BAMF plushie and we see one on the first page, a plushy Nightcrawler. I need one. People would buy them, make them Marvel. Come on. And I want the Nightcrawler one, and I also want the uh, 
the Wolverine and the X-Men or Astonishing X-Men or sorry, Amazing X-Men era vamp plushies. I want some of those as well. Um, so get on that, please. Yeah, all right. So anyway, um, so Rachel's life, including Wolverine, flashes before her as she wakes up in space with the Phoenix. Captain Britain and Megan are subdued by wonderful Alan Davis weirdies from Cloud Nine. Uh, inside the Cloud Nine base, Nightcrawler entertains the children while trying to help with the disease affecting parahumans. So, this this is my my adjacent 90s reading to the flashback episodes. You know, I've been keeping up with the Scalper, obviously, he's the next book. Um, and when, when this kind of first was mentioned, the disease, it was right after... Um, uh, executioner song so I thought maybe this is going to tie into the legacy virus but this is not seem to be affecting mutants because the para, paranormals or parahumans that are in cloud 9 are not mutants strictly speaking they're just kind of random just uh, and the word I use is weirdies it's just kind of these delightful Alan Davis creations but don't really have like a a strict mutant or non-mutant, they're just kind of all... Anyway, so it's not exactly the, the legacy virus. It's referred to as... Um, oh, what do they call it here? Um, genetic destabilization. Uh, so anyway, but Nightcrawler is basically like... You know, he's entertaining the children, telling them stories, doing tricks for them and stuff, which is awesome. That's so Nightcrawler. Um, and yeah, uh, Kitty escapes her guard in the training room by including a hologram of herself in the program. Uh, but she does get recaptured. Uh, Cloud Nine convinces Captain Britain they have a common enemy that's responsible for this disease, this genetic destabilization, uh, by the way, which he is also affected. Uh, meanwhile, the Phoenix tells Rachel that she's free of all her past programming and has all her, has all her memories now. So basically, she, in combination with the Phoenix, is kind of... And gets a fresh start, right? And gets to be full Rachel, no more of the hound stuff. And it's really kind of a shame this doesn't last. <laughs> I really kind of like this turn for Rachel. Um, but yeah, man, um, this art is fan freaking fantastic, and the story is super engaging. Um, great character and distinct voices by Alan Davis in the writing and the art. Um, this book is just wonderful. And I'm going to enjoy this version of Rachel for however long we have it. I really, really, probably my favorite era of Rachel is this. And man, the uh, the Alan Davis Renaissance on Excalibur continues to just wow. Um, I'm really, really loving it. Um, I'm going to give Excalibur 64 six out of six claws. There's really not much Wolverine at all. Uh, just some memories of Rachel. Um, you know, one where she first greets the X-Men. He's in the shot. Um... There's one around, around mutant massacre time maybe, and Wolverine's also there, and then of course the, the Secret Wars two era story where she confronts Celine, and Wolverine threatens to to stab her. Um, get a really nice close up of Wolverine's face with a red bloody snicked. Uh, it's a nice panel. Not very, you know, he's not really in the book per se, but he's definitely there. Um, definitely a part of several of Rachel's key memories um, that she returned to the timeline that, that we are in now. So yeah, Excalibur 64, 6 out of 6 claws, just a pure joy, lovely issue. And now we're going to move on. So, 
Next up is Alpha Flight 121. So this is the return of the Brass Bishop. And it is written by Simon Furman. Craig Brassfield is the guest penciler. Frank Turner is the guest inker. Uh, Chang and Parker are the letterers. And Bob Sharon does the colors. Our cover is by normal uh, early 90s Alpha Flight artist Pat Broderick. And it's, it's not bad. It's like a yellow background with lots of action lines. We have Spider-Man front and sw center swinging in front of the logo. And he's flanked by the current Alpha Flight team. Now, I, even after reading this issue, I don't know entirely who all these are. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good cover. I had no idea. Um, so just speaking of Pat Roderick, and I expect a lot of tangents in this episode. <laughs> um, I've been reading him in my 70s read-through, uh, doing a lot of the Kung Fu books. Um, yeah, I didn't know he had been around that long, but, you know, definitely like him quite a bit. But he's not in this issue, just as a cover. Uh, so in this one... Um, so Alpha Flight have a funeral for fallen teammates lost in the summer annual crossover. Uh, but Wildheart, formerly Wild Child, tears up the coffin. He could smell that they were empty. There were just some dummies in there. And he, you know, people thought he was maybe reverting to his Wild Child days, but really he just knew something was up and he tore up the coffin to prove it. Um, Alpha Flight goes to Xavier's for help finding the bodies. But of course, Xavier's like, well, I mean, if Cerebro can find... Mutants that are alive, not as helpful as mutants that are dead. Um, and you can't find them. So Wolverine has info from X-Factor that they may be still alive, but with the uh, chess set club. <laughs> and it said like we're supposed to know who that is. Maybe it's a an Alpha Flight issue that wasn't on Marvel Unlimited that I missed, but I, I don't know who the chess set club is. And it must be because it's the return of the Brash Bishop, and I don't remember him either. Um, anyway, uh, Spider-Man shows up. He was there when they quote-unquote died and wants to help. Uh, Wolverine has ex-business, so he passes the baton. So then, um, Alpha Flight and Spidey, I'm sorry, specifically Puck and Spidey, get some info the old-fashioned way, busting skulls and bar fights and looking for stool pigeons and all that fun stuff. So they bust up a supervillain, and they get some information, so Alpha Flight then and Spider-Man bust up a supervillain auction uh, hosted by the chess set. And their teammates' corpses, so they are dead, but they have Sphinx residue. During the melee, the Sphinx reincorporates and bugs out. All the villains either escaped or are captured, and now Alpha Flight can truly grieve the loss of their teammates. Alright, so I really love the scene of Puck and Spider-Man at the bar. It's kind of a cliche, right? They're like, oh, you're going to tell us what you need. Here's random, random bad guys, you know, at all these weird places. And it's only two pages long, but it's just a really nice interaction. First of all, Puck is my favorite Alpha Flight guy, so... That helps. Um, but yeah, that, that seems really nice. Um, the art is very just kind of 90s fill-in artist house style. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just kind of there. Um, the story is good at parts, but the resolution is weird. Like, I threw, 
They're on this big mission to reclaim the bodies of their teammates after they find out the funeral was a fraud. And then they finally find them. They were dead, but they had... So I guess this summer annual, which I did not read, uh, Alpha Flight, Spider-Man, and maybe New Warriors, it looks like, fought um, the Sphinx, which... Maybe I will go back and read it, because that, that Sphinx alternate timeline story in New Warriors is pretty good. Uh, so maybe I'll go back and give this a shot. But um, anyway, um, so they find the corpses of their, of their teammates, who they're very concerned about. But they had the Sphinx power, and that's why the villains, the chess set, found them and then were auctioning them off, because they knew that power was really powerful. But then, you know, during the fight, some stuff gets knocked around, the, some Sphinx power gets loose, and then incorporates the corpses into his new form and then bugs out and they're like and instead of like well we should go find the sphinx and try to get our friends back they're just like oh well now we know we really know what happened to him and so we can move on we can properly go through the steps of grief and just maybe in real life if you had to deal with that kind of thing maybe but in in superhero comic book world it really seems weird to me that they're not like, we got to track this thing down and make sure there's not a way to get our friends back. Um, and so to just be like, oh, well, that's done. <laughs> we got our answers. Yay. It just seemed odd, to say the least. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, it, it was an okay issue. I'll give Alpha Flight 121 a three out of six claws. I think had it had a stronger ending, maybe could have gone a little higher, but I don't know, the art I don't know the art gets much more than that. So I think three out of six is probably appropriate. Alright, so now we're gonna jump into a long Marvel Comics present story, uh, one twenty three through one thirty. Now in the past, when either I or I with John Wilson have covered these, um, sometimes we just grade the story because it'll usually be pretty much the same. Uh, th that's not the case in this one. Um, you have two very distinct phases to this story. And, and probably even saying that is going to spoil how I feel about the ending once I talk about the first one. <laughs> but um, anyway, that's how we're going to do it. So Marvel Comics Presents 123 will be... It's a Wolverine and Lynx story. Uh, Passion Play Part 1 of 8 is Clean Slate. Written by Scott Lobdell, penciled by Dennis Jensen, inks by John Holdridge, letters by Lul Higgins, maybe, or maybe Lul Higgins, like Little Wayne. I can't tell what the font is, it's U-L or L-I-L, but um, anyway, we'll, let's just go, we'll go with Lil Higgins. <laughs> and colors by Kelly Corvisi. Um... The cover is by James Fry and Hector Colazzo. Now, I talked about James Fry very, very recently in our Gambus Gumbo episode. Um, I enjoyed parts of his art on Moon Knight quite a bit. Uh, I think maybe his weakness was humans not in costume. So just doing covers, most of these are in costume. But I don't know about this cover. So this first cover is Wolverine. Uh, in a burning building, fire around him. There's a hand of a corpse, like in the front part of the cover, in red shadow. And then Wolverine's like an orange and black shadow in the background, and it's kind of hunched over. It's 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 okay. It's fine. Um. Yeah. On the back though, 
we have a really cool Ghost Rider cover of Part of the Skull in White and the rest of the cover in black is by Steve Lytle, who you know recently passed away, so rest in peace, Steve Lytle. And it's a really cool cover. And actually, the Ghost Rider story, um, which we'll talk about briefly in a couple issues, because for reasons that will become apparent, um, but Steve Lytle also does the pencils, and it picks up, so as we recently had a Wolverine and Typhoid Mary story in, in Marvel Comics Presents, now we have a Ghost Rider and Typhoid Mary story, also by Nan Anna Sinti. So she's kind of doing her Typhoid Mary thing um, in Marvel Comics Presents. Um, it's not great. The art's cool, but um, you know, I, I rant and rave. I really love Nacenti's run on Daredevil. I haven't read a whole lot else that I've just really enjoyed of hers and it's weird because it's not all that different it's just minor minor differences make a big difference uh, for whatever reason with her uh, anyway but we're not going to really talk about that very much at all we're going to talk about the Wolverine story with Lynx um, and Lynx is in the cat not sausage Lynx <laughs> um, so Wolverine hunts down a mad scientist who we heard about who was doing genetic experiments on humans. He doesn't like that, kind of pisses them off, so he's going to go see what's going on. But the lab in the suburban house is on fire. Uh, Dr. Ilvis, the mad scientist, says he burned it down to try and stop her. Dun, dun, dun. Very mysterious. Very um, scary. Uh, Wolverine gets a scent, figures it must be her, and tracks it to an empty closed grocery store. Remember when grocery stores used to close at night? Yeah. Um, anyway, he doesn't find a monstrous experiment, but a young feral girl. He tries to approach her gently, but she attacks and bites him. Uh, Wolverine tosses her back with a little too much anger. He almost goes berserk, but he pulls back and he sees that she is starving, so he offers her, instead of his hand in peace and comfort, he offers her food instead. And that does the trick. But then a mysterious agent shows up and zaps Wolverine with his hand. Um, the art is kind of cheesy and silly. I don't really like it. Uh, the story of Wolverine's entry into the plot is kind of nonsense, but the characterization and narration is great. Um... Here's some, a little, I won't do this for all the issues or even all of this issue, but just a little a little sample. So, you know, we're Waffinger Falls, New York, a long way from Madripoor. But this is where the trail of half-whimpering rumors took me. So this is where I am. I'm a slave to curiosity. Some say that'll be the death of me. But not today. Not here in the remains of a gasoline-soaked makeshift laboratory. Not if my heightened senses are to be believed. <laughs> Human flesh, what's left of it? A single swipe of my adamantium claws should be enough to free the guy, so why don't I feel like I'm doing him a favor? Then he identifies with the girl, obviously, reminds him of, of Weapon X. And the experiment's done on him, kind of being turned into a feral animal. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of uh, um, interesting spots in the writing. I know... Scott Lobdell kind of turned out to be a big creeper and not a very good person, but, it, you know, his writing in the 90s at some points is pretty strong, and this is an example of some pretty pretty strong character development and narration with Wolverine and his reaction to Lynx and his kind of instinct to, to want to protect and take care of her is uh, pretty interesting. All right. So that's, that's part one. Uh, you know, I will save... 
my grade until it changes. How about that? All right, so issue 124. Um, same team, same people doing the cover. This cover is almost a great cover. So while his bio blasts are not exactly lightning in the story, the cover appears that this mysterious agent is zapping Wolverine with lightning. There's a blue background, lots of white and blue lightning flashes. Wolverine's mostly in shadow except for his mouth and a little bit of his costume. And it almost looks great. There's just so many weird... Like the, so Fry... I don't remember this being especially true in the Moon Knight stuff, but on these covers especially, it's very uh, geometric in his art. Like, and I don't really know how else to describe it, and I'm probably not using the right word, but lots of shapes put together to make the the characters. Um, it's a stylized thing, and sometimes it works, and it almost works really well here. Instead, I'll say it, it works pretty well. Um... Alright, so in this one, uh, a mysterious agent, or the courier, subdues and takes the links. He's German intelligence. Um, Wolverine fells a tree across the road. Somehow he got ahead of the car. <laughs> Maybe the road took a curve and he took a straight line, uh, I guess so. Uh, the courier explains he's only trying to retrieve the links because she had an experimental wonder drug infused in her body based on German technology and... You know, he feels like the German government has a proprietary right to it, being the only, you know, evidence of the drug. Uh, after more fighting, he admits he has doubts and offers to take Wolverine back to Germany with him to escort the links and to maybe get some answers and see if he's satisfied. Unfortunately, while they're fighting, Le Peregrine uh, stole the links away from his, for his clients in a million dollar bounty. Um... The art still pretty meh. The, the, as far as the story goes, the, the plot's okay, but the writing's better, um, if that makes sense. Like, the dialogue and interaction between the characters is still really good. The plot itself is okay, that's fine. A uh, little X Files Z, maybe, or whatever, and uh, it's fine. Okay, well, let's move on to number 125. And so. Exactly the same creative team. Uh, this is part three of eight, A Wing and a Prayer. Oh, part two is called, what was part two called? Part two is called Heat Lightning. All right. So this one, A Wing and a Prayer, um, our James Fry cover is Wolverine in the front and La Peregrine mostly in shadow with some purple and then his face uh, swooping down behind him. Eh, it's okay. <laughs> All right, so it's, oh wait, oh yeah, sorry, I got the wrong notes. Yeah, uh, Le Peregrine looks pretty good on the cover, Wolverine not as much. Um, All right, so Le Peregrine has delivered the links to Mr. Champion, who's from an old, like, 70s Avenger story, um, who hopes to extract the experimental drug to cure his own medical condition. When Peregrine goes upstairs to take a shower, but Wolverine and the courier tracked him and stole his towel. Oh no! Uh, they get ready to rough him up, but armor, sorry, but an amorphous blob, flesh tone, busts in the room. Champion sent him to kill the Peregrine instead of paying him, but since all three are in the room, flesh tone attacks all three. There's some gross amorphous blob fighting. 
but Peregrine doesn't appreciate the murder attempt, so he joins the fight in his wings and a towel, which is a better title for this chapter. <laughs> um, Flesh Tone gets uh, fried from behind in her Black Widow, who has come to bring links to S.H.I.E.L.D., but Wolverine, Courier, and Peregrine object. So the art was a little better in this issue. Maybe he had more time or was finding his groove. Uh, the story is still good. I actually really like some of the tricks that Lovedell does. Um, so each chapter switches narrator and to the person from the last page of the previous chapter. So basically like Wolverine narrates the first one. The carrier shows up on the last page does his thing. Then the second part is from the carrier's frights, from the carrier's, not Le, Le, Le Peregrine, the carrier. Probably if his German should be the carrier, but whatever. Um, anyway, second part is from his perspective and his narration, and then Le Peregrine shows up. Third part is from Le Peregrine's perspective and narration, and now Black Widow shows up, and the next ch- chapter will be from her perspective and narration. That's a pretty cool trick. Um, I really like that. And basically, as each chapter we move through the narrator, that person fights, but then they get changing their mind. So each character, each new character comes in for their own reasons to be after the links, but change their mind and decide to join the team to save her. It's, it's a nice plot device. So like it really works pretty well. It makes the story pretty fun. So I'm enjoying it through this part. Um, so let's move on to uh, issue... I got, the, I got my issues backwards. Uh, 126. Which is... I think all the same people still. I think at one point it might be a little changed. But um, anyway, this is part four, which is Widow Sting. And we just saw Black Widow. Um, on the cover, we have Wolverine slicing his way through the blob. It's pretty meh. Um, Alright, so instead of fighting Black Widow... The uneasy alliance of Wolverine, Courier, and Le Peregrine falls apart, and they take each other out. They all, no one can really agree on what to do, so they all kind of fight. Um, after Black Widow leaves, they get back together, and they use the flesh-toned skin suits to infiltrate Champion's lab. Um, there they shed their skin, and Black Widow also shows up and proposes to team up to rescue Lynx. And they do it. And then they're left with the, well, now what do we do? <laughs> we rescued Lynx, now we're all together, we all have different ideas of, of what to do with Lynx, so how do we resolve this? And to be continued. Which takes us to chapter uh, 6, issue 1, no, sorry, what's going on here? Issue chapter 5, issue 127. Sorry, my physical copies got shuffled somehow. I don't know if one of the kids did that, or I. I don't mean to blame them. It could have very easily been me that did that. Um, anyway, this cover is a really big close up on Wolverine's face and part of his cow, and then Black Widow hovering in an action pose in between his eyes on his nose. An action pose on his nose. Um, it's an okay cover. Um, this is part five, Brooklyn Bridge. So in this one, uh, they let Black Widow take Lynx to show, but then they all go along, uh, and the Wolverine and Courier break her out, but this is all part of Fury's plan. He knew Wolverine would break her out, and now he's going to see what he does. 
sure, typical spy stuff. Oh, I knew that was going to happen, so I let it happen because I wanted it to happen, and now we can go forward. Um, just FYI, the back cover of this by Steve Lido is, again, really awesome. I haven't talked about all of them because they've, you know, been good, but not necessarily out, particularly outstanding. But this one is awesome. It's black and red, and then Ghost Rider's skull in white and his flame in yellow, and then yellow shadow around the two identities of Typhoid Mary who are flanking Ghost Rider. It's it's pretty awesome. It's a pretty great cover. Definitely worth mentioning. Also worth mentioning, at this point in the story, Ghost Rider is fighting a demon in hell that was trying to use Typhoid Mary, and part of his fight in hell is to fight demonic projections of friends and enemies that he's recently been in contact with, one of which is Wolverine. And he at first thinks it's a real Wolverine, but it's not. So it's kind of worth mentioning. I won't necessarily grade the issue or go into detail on the plot, because I really don't care for this story. Um, you know, Nacinti does her stream of consciousness thing, and it works to a degree, but I don't really like this one. Um, anyway, my tone on the, the Wolverine story is going to change a little bit. So up to this point, the art has not been great. It's been kind of the weak link. But I've really enjoyed the writing and especially kind of the narrative um, tricks, if you will. Um, and kind of the storytelling beats and the characterization has all been pretty good up to this point. So in spite of the writing, and in spite of who the writer... I'm sorry, in spite of the art, and in spite of who the writer is... I'm going to give these first several chapters, so 123 through 127, 4 out of 6 claws. So, like I said, that probably spoils where I'm going to go, but um, let's go ahead and do that and get up to issue 128. So, on this one, this is part 6, Hearts of Fire. Uh, same creative team, but this time Steve Lytle does the Wolverine cover as well as the Ghost Rider cover. And we have Wolverine in like a chain of, oh, hold up, I'm an idiot. I just realized. So at this point in Marvel Comics history, you know, the book has two covers, but it flips, right? Like if you turn the Wolverine cover and just turn around without turning it over, then the Ghost Rider cover is upside down and vice versa. And it's still, so there's, they haven't been really wrapping around lately. This one kind of keeps that, but still wraps around, which is really interesting. So if you open it up all the way and look at it from both sides, like one of them's upside down, but they're almost like in this free, like weird space on floating rocks. And so this chain that's holding Wolverine is from Ghost Rider on the back, or, you know, vice versa, depending on how you look at it. I actually think at this point Wolverine's a bat because the 30 years of X-Men uh, square is on the Ghost Rider side. But anyway, so on the front, Ghost Rider, uh, Iron Fist, and American Eagle are on the front on these floating rocks. And Ghost Rider's chain goes off panel and you open it up. The chain goes around and has Wolverine, who is, I guess, technically upside down, um, standing on his own rock. Anyway, it's... It's really cool. It's a really nice, effective cover. And I like it even more now that I actually realized what was going on. Um, so yeah, that's pretty rad. Um, so, 128. And this one, um, Courier and LaPera Green go back to Champion's headquarters to look for clues. Well, I don't, 
It doesn't really say exactly what I'm looking for clues for. When a Wolverine takes the links to a safe house in Maine, it's weird. Um, Black Widow finds them and says, Shield uh, found who did this to the links. Does Wolverine want to go help? Um, yeah, so it's this weird thing of like Shield injected links with this thing to give her like memories of a normal life. So she acts normal, but her it's like she's like this weird domesticated lover of Wolverine, so she feels suddenly a lot older than she was in the first several chapters. Uh, Wolverine gets out of bed um, in some red spandex, long johns, and Lynx is in the kitchen making breakfast in like a torn up Wolverine nightgown. It's it's odd, and them falling in love it seems like Maybe a direction that would be weird. And Wolverine has to decide to like inject her with a serum because she's losing control of what S.H.I.E.L.D. did to her. Um, but he can't do it. He won't have her have these fake life and fake memories. He's going to deal with her as she is in the Black Winter shows. It's just, it's odd. I don't really like it. Um, when you combine that with the art not being very good, you kind of see where this is going downhill. Um... So there's also a uh, more fake Wolverine in the Ghost Rider story. Just want to mention it. That's about all I'm going to say. Uh, so Marvel Comics presents 129. This is where we have a little bit of a difference. We have an army of... Not an army. Uh, John Holderidge and Dennis Jensen both do inking. Uh, this is Passion Play 7 to 8. That's what they say. Um, and this cover is back to James Fry. And is Wolverine with Peregrine flying behind him, the Courier and Black Widow under him, and then links a very feral links in the sights of a gun. Ah, whatever, it's fine. Um, so everybody goes to Antarctica to crash the ultra secret base of they, including links. They bring links along. Um. So they, they were going to use the panacea, the miracle drug, to cure the world, causing overpopulation. So instead of saying, hey, we got this miracle drug, we can cure diseases, kind of like we're doing with Krakoa right now in modern comics, right? right? The idea is they're going to use it as a weapon, cure everybody of everything so that no one dies and everyone lives a really long time and we deplete the earth of resources and I guess they have some moon base and they're going to ransom I don't know, it's weird. It's very James Bond in a very terrible way. Um, ha I wrote. Um, but then they created an antidote which they like even better, so they abandoned their plan to cure the world because this antidote is the worst disease in the history of mankind! Um, so diabolical blackmail scheme ensues. <laughs> Whatever. This is terrible. <laughs> Alright, so in conclusion, 130. <laughs> uh, 8 of 8 missing links. Ah, oh, play on words. Um, back to the completely original creative team. And this cover is by James Fry. And this is probably my favorite. It's Wolverine doing a Sam Keith crouch with his arms hanging down in front of him. Standing on top of silhouettes of his own head. And then we have a vampire lady? I don't really know what's going on. None of this has to do with the story, but it's really cool. Um, 
there's like maybe that's supposed to be Lynx, but she's all in gray and she has like white streaks in her hair and then she has fangs and a white suit and there's a skull or half of a skull underneath them it's a great cover i have no idea what it has to do with the story and it doesn't have to necessarily so that's fine um it's my favorite of, of this group of covers by james fry all right so um fury lets wolverine take links after they defeat they um he gives her his old fang suit remember that and turns her loose in the canadian wilderness Lynx runs off and waits for Wolverine to bring her dinner so they can mate. And by the way, guys, she's going to be waiting in that little piece of forest until 2011. <laughs> I kind of hate this. I kind of like that Wolverine protects her, right? I know you mind him. I know you mind her visual instincts. But the ending just feels kind of skeevy, right? So they could have done the whole thing. And I think they were going for like the thing you see usually with kids in, in animal movies or alien movies or robot movies, whatever, where they have to turn the thing they love loose, right? Let the horse go out in the wild, like Black Beauty or Black Stallion or numerous dog movies, right? Or like when they have a wild animal and they, they have it for a while and they get really attached to it, but they, they know it's best for them to return to the wild and you have this whole thing where they're like yelling at the person, just go, go, I don't want you, I don't need you, but I'm crying the whole time, so you know I don't mean it, but I have to say it so you'll leave and you can go have a better life. And they could have done that. They decided not to do that. I wonder if maybe Lobdell was like, no, that's a trope and I don't want to do it. But by writing it the way he did, he kind of makes Wolverine seem heartless. And he's kind of like, oh, she'll be safe here, most likely. So, bye. <laughs> I'll be right back. Go go play in the in the trees. I'll be right back. You know, in, what's, what's that, like 20, 30 years? I don't know. Um, I guess 20. Um, yeah, it's weird. And then, like I said, Lynx is as much animal at this point as person, so I don't mind her being like, my instincts are to survive, to find food, to reproduce. Okay, fine. But the idea that all she wants, like she even like sees a squirrel, is like, ooh, that looks yummy. But no, no, no. Wolverine will come back. He's going to kill something for me, and then I'm going to jump his bones, because that's all. I'm just a big, horny lynx, and all I want to do is, is have sex with my alpha male. And I don't know. It's just sure animal kingdom, whatever. It just feels skeevy. It's already weird that she, at the beginning of the story, it felt like she was like maybe fifteen, sixteen, and then to give her like that domestic scene with Wolverine, they aged her up to like maybe I don't know, still kind of skeevy because maybe like nineteen ish, and then so now you have this young adult woman with animal instincts is just like, yeah, I want Wolverine to kill stuff and so I can hump him. Um, it's just, it's weird. It's weird. Um, anyway, so I gave 123 to 127 four out of six claws. I'm giving 128 to 132 out of six claws, and I feel like on this last one I'm being generous. Um, I can, I can even, you know, more to think about it, I'm probably going to give chapter 31 out of 6 claws. I really kind of hated it. Um, so that's how Marvel Comics presents a uh, story for the episode. So we're going to move on to something a little more a little more standard Wolverine. Um, I have a couple of uh, 
couple of stories that are kind of off the beaten path for him. Um, I mean, they're very Wolverine, but also kind of loosely in continuity, so it makes sense to kind of throw them on this episode as well. Uh, first thing we're going to talk about is the Wolverine graphic novel, Inner Fury. So this is written by uh, G- D.G. Chichester, with art by legendary Bill Sienkiewicz, letters by Michael Heisler, or Heisler, uh, colors by Sherilyn Van Valkenburg, and our cover is by Sienkiewicz, and we got a nice big Wolverine logo in the 90s font, um, and just, it's a really scratchy cover. Um, with a grayish, brownish, almost rock-looking background. And we have Wolverine in, like, black shadow, almost like an X-ray of a skeleton in red. And then, it's weird, it'll make sense in the story, but it's a weird cover, it really kind of grabs your attention, because instead of his adamantium claws, he almost has, like, Lady Deathstrike fingernail claws. Uh, it looks like coming out through the x-ray. It's a very striking cover. It's a cool cover. Um, but it definitely just kind of makes you go, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen in this story. So what does happen in this story? Alright, so Wolverine is infected by a nanotech which is working to expel the adamantium from his bones and his body. Um, he's approached by a dwarf bounty hunter named Big, uh, get it, uh, who helps him track down the whale the Hydra scientist responsible for the nanotech. Uh, once they track him down, Vic, of course, betrays Wolverine and wants the tech for himself, hoping he can uh, give the nanites a more important task. Um, Wolverine somehow snicks his own brain, and that works. So, in other words, he like redirects the so instead of the nanites working to expel the adamantium, he's like, well, they're trying to to fix stuff, to cure me of the adamantium, if I cut my brain in three different pieces, the nanites will all go up there and fix my brain. So, we'll talk about the art in a second. It's really interesting. It's built in Cambridge. Obviously, there's going to be some really cool things there. The story is um, a lot of narration, a very thin plot, as you see by my very thin summary uh, or synopsis. Um, so, plus, if the nanites are moving the adamantium from the bone, that could explain how Wolverine got his claws through his skull into his own brain. But, first of all, how does the adamantium get all the way back? Like, if you want to put this as a real story in continuity, so what we find out, so the adamantium, or the fingernail claws, is actually the, through his fingertips and through his fingernails is one of the ways that the nanites are expunging the adamantium, so it's not really claws, it's um, it's like pushing the adamantium off of his arm bones and stuff through his hands and through the fingernails. Why they don't just go off the tips of the claws? He's like a natural exit point, I don't know. But it's just what they decided to draw. It's fine. Um, so that is kind of a weird way to use nanites. I know, you know, we saw uh, in, um, we've seen different runs of nanites affecting Wolverine's healing factor and stuff. This is a, a weirder version of that. Um, but anyway, this adamantium is not melted. No, I guess the nanites are melting it to push it out and reform it. But even once he stabs himself and the nanites are all like, oh, let's go over here and fix his brain. First of all, why wouldn't his healing factor just fix it? I don't know. It, it kind of falls apart pretty quickly. Um, 
But also, the adamantium that's coming out of his body and then has been removed from his bones to this point, how does it get back on? And there's no explanation of that at all. I mean, this almost works more as like a standalone out of continuity story than, than trying to fit it in continuity because you also have to ignore the fact that Wolverine's adamantium was pushed out of his, his skin. Um, now, we know that's going to happen for real in a little bit, in a different way, but that's, that's all explained, at least in a comic book way and story. Here, it's just like, oh, no, uh, I stabbed my brain, the nanites went there, and everything's fine. All done. Um, it's weird. I don't really like this story. There's some okay narration and characterization. Um, the art's pretty rad, of course. I mean, it's Bill Sienkiewicz. The whale looks creepy as hell, but he looks cool. Um, the dwarf guy, Big, looks pretty interesting. You don't really ever get, like, a real good look at him, to be honest. Um, whole lot of shadow in this book, which works to a pretty good effect. Um, Wolverine looks pretty great a lot of times. Um... Man, is yeah. There's some parts where he's fighting some Hydra guys that they just look weird, but they look cool. Um, yeah, lots of really, really cool, interesting art that's going to completely change the way I feel about this story overall, or about this book overall. And I kind of don't care for the the writing. Gene uh, Gene Chichester is a guy whose writing I find to be all over the map. Um, don't necessarily like his Daredevil run overall, but the story uh, around issue 300 and leading up to that is pretty good. Didn't really like his S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. Um, and did a couple of filling issues of Wolverine, and they... Actually, I didn't really... They were kind of down. <laughs> so maybe I don't like much of what he does. I like a little bit of what he does. Um, anyway, I'm going to give Inner Fury overall three out of six claws, and all of that's for the art, pretty much. Alright, well, speaking of Dean Gene Chichester, and speaking of a character he introduced in the pages of Wolverine, somehow, Terror Inc. got his own comic series. I had no idea growing up this existed. I had no idea as an adult this existed until a few weeks ago when I ordered them on eBay. Um, <laughs> for a pretty cheap price, by the way. They were pretty easy to get. Um, yeah, so Wolverine is in Terror Inc. Uh, 9 and 10, and that's Terror Incorporated. Um, part 9, I'm sorry, uh, issue 9 is No Exit. Um, and this is written by D.G. Chichester, pencils by Richard Pace, each by Tamujin, um, letters by Rick Parker, Steve Dietro, Ken Lopez, and John Babcock, and Jay. Paez is the colorist, or Paez. Um, on the cover, we have a pretty cool cover, uh, and I didn't find a credit. I think it's by Pace. It looks a lot like the interior art, so I'm going to assume it's by Richard Pace, but even uh, Marvel Wiki didn't have a credit for this cover. Um, but it's a close-up of Terror Inc.'s face and his fedora and his eyeball and his skeletal grin, but he's holding his hand up, and he has three Wolverine claws popping out of his hand, um, and reflected in the claws that are a charging Wolverine. Now, the terror in the label, the claws, and the part one of two that's on the cover, it's not really foil embossed, but it's like metallic ink. And it's a pretty cool effect. Um, I like it. It's a, it's a good cover. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a pretty nice cover. I like it. All right, 
So in this one, um, Terror nabs a corpse from a shield transport. It belongs to the daughter of a rich client. He wants her back, and he wants to know who killed her. Uh, using his body part attachment, memory power, so basically he like cuts body parts off of alive or dead people, incorporates them into his own body, and either gets powers or memories or whatever. So um, he uses this to try to find out who killed the daughter, and he determines the daughter was butchered by two sets of three-bladed weapons. So he thinks to himself, I know someone that fits that bill. It has to be Wolverine. Um, and he has his doubts based on what he knows about the X-Men, so he's kind of conflicted. Uh, nonetheless, he visits Boneyard, a pretty cool-looking character, a macabre dealer uh, in the weird, and he gets an adamantium skeleton that looks like Wolverine's, but is said not to be Wolverine's, but also not explained at all. It's kind of a trouble point for this story. Um, anyway, as a Wolverine fan. Uh, Logan agrees to meet Terror at an Illinois diner, where Terror ambushes him. After being blasted with the shotgun, Logan jumps up in a berserker, and Terror pops his own new Wolverine claws, too. Uh, they slice and dice each other. Turns out Terror wants to compare claw marks and patterns to those of the girl. Um, so he measures the distance between the claws. Uh, he then tries to escape, realizing the space between the claws uh, shows conclusively that Wolverine can't be the killer. It's not quite right. Unfortunately, by this point, Wolverine is pretty pissed off and follows Terror to a funeral home in a rage. To quote-unquote save himself, Terror jumps into a crematorium and ignites the flame to be continued. It doesn't say how he plans to get out of this mess. He can reconstitute bodies. It doesn't say he can, like, die and reform himself, as far as I know. Um, so the art. I don't really know Richard Pacer. This is really pretty great overall. Um, especially some of the sequences at the beginning are really interesting. Um, there's some kind of abstraction to the art. So like, you have a police car with, like, really crazy lights on the full-page splash. Uh, some of the car chase stuff looks really great. Um, yeah, I mean, terror is gross where he's supposed to be. I, I was saying the only thing that's kind of maybe a detriment is terror with the green coloring and kind of the skeletal face and the fedora looks a little bit like Jim Carrey's version of the mask. <laughs> I don't know if that's intentional or just kind of a funny, um, coincidence, but, um, yeah, it's interesting. So, we get a really great snicked on page. Uh, let's see, that page was. This is a weird part of Marvel where they number some pages and not others. So, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Page 17 in the physical copy. We have a lovely snick with a red background, Wolverine all in shadow, except for his eyes and teeth. And then the back claws are in shadow, but the the front claws are in silver. And then a snick across the claws. It looks great. Then, of course, we get a snick from Terror himself. Uh, and that looks pretty cool, too. Um, yeah, the art is art's great. Um, uh, there is some self-reference to Inner Fury. Um... They reference the whale and and Hydra, uh, which will play into more into the second part of the story. Um, 
But yeah, so you only know, you cannot, in my opinion, have an extra Wolverine skeleton in your story, and then just kind of hand wave it off as probably nothing. I mean, let me see what is what exactly they say. So they get the skeleton, and this um, what's her name? What did I say her name was? Uh, Boneyard, which is a cool name, by the way. Um, she goes, uh, I got some adamantium claws for you. No way in knowing what it's got to do with you-know-who's history. Probably nothing, but it should get you up close and personal. <laughs> it's just probably nothing. Now, I know we had that one, like, after the crunch conundrum, where there was that skeleton left over, so maybe it could have had something to do with that, right? There's like a time travel skeleton of Wolverine that got left somewhere. But connect the dots. Don't say, oh, you know, oh, I found this uh, skeleton that looks exactly like Wolverine. It's covered in adamantium and has claws. And, um, <laughs> well, you know, uh, that's probably nothing. <laughs> Just, I don't really like that. Um, yeah, but, I, you know, other than that one little part, the story's pretty engaging. I like this way more than I thought I would. Um, I mean, the art's pretty good. The story's pretty good. The writing's pretty good. The, the plot is, keeps you engaged. Um, this is better than Inner Fury from a writing perspective. Art's not quite as good. Um, but much better story, I felt like. Um, so I'm going to give Terror Inc. number 9 4 out of 6 claws. Surprise, surprise. Surprised me. Maybe not you. Maybe you knew this was a comic, and maybe you read it. Maybe you liked it. I don't know. I did none of those things until the very end. Um, all right. So, oh, you know what? I'm going to amend my... I did not catch this just now. So I cannot find a signature on number nine. There is a signature on number ten, and it's Joe Kubert. And I have a good feeling the number nine was probably also Joe Kubert, which helps explain why it's so nice. Um, and it looks a little bit still like Pace, but they have a very similar style. It's kind of dirty, gritty, um, abstract in some ways. But yeah, uh, let's see. Is this exactly the same people? Where's our title page? Do we get a title page? Our credits at the end? I don't think there's any credits at all. In this book. What the hell, Marvel? Um. Oh, it's in the middle of a narration box. That's weird. Um. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Jim Houston is a color. Does the colors now with Jay Payas. Uh, that's about the only difference. Alright. Well, anyway, on our Joe Kubert cover, we have Terror Inc. looking even more like the mask. A giant Terror Inc. holding Wolverine in his hands. And Wolverine fighting to get out. Alright. I don't like it as much as Nine, but it's still pretty good. Um. Alright. So, Wolverine uh, cuts Terror out of the crematorium. Terror explains it all as he builds a new body out of cadavers. Uh, Wolverine's like, okay, well, that makes sense. Um. Terror's assistant finds out that the client is Hydra, and another connection to Inner Fury. Uh, he was he he was in charge of the nanotech program, and Wolverine ruined it for him. 
by and interfering by breaking everything up and he wants to get revenge on Wolverine and frames him for murder. Uh, Wolverine and Terror track him down, of course. Um, yeah. And so now, uh, confronted, the Hydra client kills himself. Uh, Terror steals Wolverine's line, says he's the best there is at what he does, and it's even worse than what you do. Uh, and they both de- declare all debts between them are even Steven. Um, art was really good. Story not as good, but still okay. Uh, the connection to Interfury definitely pulling it into full continuity is nice, but also a little problematic. Um, I like when dots connect, but sometimes it's not the best connection. Um, anyway, there's a, there's a couple of really highlight pages I want to get to. Let me find them. Um, And are like in the middle where Wolverine and Terra get to the Hydra base and some Hydra agents are dressed up like S.H.I.E.L.D. and Wolverine pops his claws and that's some really nice fight scene including a double page spread that's in a lot of shadow. Uh, it's very, very effective. Um, it's a, I'll try to find a way to get a, that on the Twitter. Um, I don't have a digital copy, but I'll try to find it. It's hard to take pictures of double page spreads sometimes because the way the books fold, but um. I'll try my best. And there's just a lot of really cool, like, shadow, shadowy panels in this book. So because of the art, even though the story was a little bit weaker, it was still okay. And it's pretty good, and the art was really good. So I'm going to still give this uh, 10 out of 6 claws. All right. And that's going to take us to our last thing, which is Wolverine Killing. Uh, another graphic novel. It's kind of a little offbeat, kind of loosely. It is in continuity, but loosely. Um, so this one is by... Writer John Nay Reaver, art by Kent Williams, colors by Sherilyn Van Valkenburg. So she was on the uh, the uh, graphic novel color circuit apparently. Uh, letters by Bill Oakley, and cover by Williams. Um, it's okay. Kind of a painter. Painters kind of reminds me of Meltdown a little bit. I don't think it's the same guy, was it? So yes, actually it was. This is the guy that didn't melt down. Um, so the cover is kind of in the same style. The interior art is a little bit different. It's much sketchier, less paintery. Um, honestly, probably it still is weird, but not as interesting. But I guess we'll get to that as we go. Um, all right, it's an okay cover. Um, so in the book, uh, after a night out with a Humphrey Bogart double feature. Uh, Wolverine has an industrial nightmare and destroys his room. He wakes up to cut up furniture and curtains and all that fun stuff. Um, so he gets a hankering from the mountains and flies to the Himalayas. Turns out a mountain village elder planted the dream. Uh, the, another elder in the village wants Wolverine to come and give her baby Wolverines. Oh no, wait. That was a little unclear and I was wrong. <laughs> the elder actually wants Wolverine to give her daughter Wolvie babies. Ick. Um, obviously the daughter feels the same way as I do and runs away. Um, in Tibet, an old man torments Logan with wisdom and magic and visions, maybe or maybe real life, not sure. Uh, dashing through the snow, uh, Logan finds the runaway daughter collapsed and carries her back to her home. Uh, when he arrives, Logan is ta- attacked and poisoned by the random village snake creature. 
Uh, when he comes to, the elders apologize for his treatment and thank him for saving the daughter. Logan goes and checks on the daughter, and they walk around the village for a few days, and of course, they fall for each other. Anyway, falling right into the mother's hands. Um, but the elder who had the powers and who called Logan there in the first place, turns out he kind of decides he's in love with the daughter and uh, gets jealous, gets super jelly. Um, Logan puts on his Wolverine costume for the climactic battle, he, uh, but the elder uses his mental powers to torment Wolverine, shutting him down so he can beat him up. So instead, Wolverine shuts off his mind and gives in to a pure survival berserker rage. But right before he makes the kill, Wolverine stops, snaps back to reality, and carves a thin warning on the old man's neck. Pretty brutal. And definitely will remind him to be good. Um, and then he goes home, leaving the daughter a note, basically says, so, so the whole like, idea, there's a whole like question. So this guy planted the idea for Wolverine to come here. Was he also manipulating Wolverine and the daughter's feelings for each other? And even the daughter brings up, oh, they told me what was going to happen. Are you the outsider? I, I'm supposed to fall for you. And is this real? Or is this orchestrated on an emotional level? And so when Wolverine leaves, he says, hey, you still have feelings for me. And doesn't show money in the envelope. So I guess he's like, hey, poor village lady, why don't you uh, hop on an international flight to New York? And you know, remember when I told you about the big city and the parks and the violence and taxi cabs? Well, don't worry about the cab. You just call me and I'll come to the airport and get you if you decide that's what you want to do. Uh, another weird ending <laughs> to a story. Um, so I, you know, I kind of, Kent Williams kind of grew on me a meltdown. It was weird, but it kind of worked in like a distorted kind of art style. This one does not work for me. I don't really like it. Um, faces look weird. Stuff looks weird and not. Not in an intentionally disproportionate way, but in a, I don't know how to draw kind of way. I don't know. That's harsh. I'm sorry. Um, the story's okay. The narration's really good. But it's kind of forgettable in the long run. Um, I'm going to give Wolverine Killing three out of six claws. And that's going to be our episode. So, guys, I don't know what will be next. Because I don't know where I'm going to put this. But, um... The next flashback will probably be another epi similar episode to this one. Um, probably be a group of Wolverine and this time Sabretooth appearances. And then, of course, uh, we'll get back to modern books pretty soon. So, not sure which of those will be next. But regardless, um, hope everyone out there is staying well and staying safe. Um, as always, for the podcast that goes Snick, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at SnickCast. Show notes, snickcast.podbean.com. So until next time, hugs and snicks, everyone. Bye-bye. And snacked.